0: The kingdom of Saudi Arabia reigns over a giant desert sitting on top of big pools of oil. So why then is it attempting a hostile takeover of one of the world's oldest sports, a game played on lush, irrigated expanses of turf, strategically placed water hazards, and water-hungry putting greens? Some of pro golf's biggest names have flocked to the deep pockets of the Live Golf Tour. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and most recently British Open winner Cam Smith
1: this is the biggest story in golf
0: since probably Tiger Woods. In response, golf's old guard, the PGA Tour, is making big changes to the way its top players get paid.
1: What's happening here is unprecedented. You know, you have a foreign government that's investing in and trying to take over a sport, which is much different than businesses that are doing business in that country. When you when you're joining that league, you are playing for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I think that that's an important distinction.
0: Because this fight between the PGA and LIV is very much about money, billions and billions of dollars. It's about the future of Saudi Arabia, a changing country trying to position itself for a world that doesn't rely on oil. It's also about Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's attempt to finally escape the fallout from the gruesome murder of Jamal Khashoggi.
2: They want to show that they have a cachet and a prestige that is not previously associated with Saudi Arabia so if they can get the world's greatest professional golfers to golf on Saudi sand, then I guess they've started to get that.
1: When you look back on it, it seems so obvious where the weaknesses were in the tour and and why this startup overcame a, a Goliath company.
0: How did this all start? Back in October of 2021. Former Australian pro golfer Greg Norman, known as The Shark, was introduced as the CEO of Live Golf. Norman has a colorful history when it comes to taking on the PGA Tour. Then in February 2022, the golf world became engulfed in a firestorm. Phil Mickelson, an aging fan favorite who became the oldest major championship winner in history the year before, admitted he was getting into business with Live Golf. All this despite the league's connections to what he called scary mother******. He was referring to the hit squad that killed Saudi dissident and journalist Jamal Khashoggi in a horrific fashion. Mickelson lost sponsor after sponsor, he basically went into hiding for a few months, and other big-name PGA pros began pledging allegiance to the tour and denouncing his comments. The Live Golf series appeared to be in big trouble. Then a few months later, it wasn't. Dustin Johnson, a former number 1-ranked golfer in the world, announced he was joining the rival tour. That opened the Floodworks. Evolution can be uncomfortable, but we love this crazy game enough to try. So join us because the future we see is bright. The future of golf
2: is here.
1: They have attracted some of the biggest names in the sport with huge, huge signing bonuses. 200 million have been reports for. Phil Mickelson and upwards of a hundred million for a lot of the players such as Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson. And what matters is the superstars. And what is going to attract them is the guaranteed money. And we're going to pay them like the superstars they are. And for all the revenue that they're driving to the PGA tour, they're going to get a bigger share of that at live because we only have 48 players and we're going to generate more money
0: for the rest of the 2022 golf season every major and big tournament became overshadowed by the latest high-profile departure to the Live Golf Series. This is Mohammed bin Salman, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. And this is Neom, the future city he has already committed $500 billion to turn desert rock and sand into an overnight metropolis. For years,
2: Saudi leaders have been getting news from their advisors saying that If oil ever runs out or if people don't need your oil anymore, then Saudi Arabia is screwed. So MBS was the first leader who came around and said, all right, we're actually going to try something.
0: Bin Salman is a chief architect of the Saudi Vision 2030 plan, an ambitious project to diversify the kingdom's economy away from oil, tourism, tech, entertainment. MBS wants Saudi Arabia to rival nearby city states like Dubai and Abu Dhabi.
2: MBS is effectively unlimited in his power. He has had delegated to him the power of the king of Saudi Arabia, his father, which means that what he says goes. And that's allowed him to essentially make a deal with Saudis and with the world outside Saudi Arabia regarding his reforms. He says, I'm going to change the economy. I'm going to change the relations between the sexes. I'm going to, I'm going to limit the power of conservative religious forces. And in exchange, you're going to not limit my power at all you're not going to have any political diminishment of what I can do.
0: Saudi Arabia is rich. It's state owned oil company Saudi Aramco is the largest company in the world. The $620 billion public investment fund is also one of the largest sovereign wealth funds in the world. That's the major financial backer of the live golf tour.
3: This is a commercial investment that a fund is making, a private equity fund is making in the world of golf. And they do business all over the world, in and in, in, including in many companies in the United States. So we are just one of those.
0: But it needs foreign investment and outside business partners in order to pull this all off. And that's where sports comes in. Golf is a unique professional sport. Outside of a few times a year, there are no set teams. So instead of having to pay a couple billion dollars to buy a single team, like the Public Investment Fund did with Newcastle and England's Premiership, it took a couple billion dollars and created a whole new league.
2: Saudi Arabia has been looking for any way to really own a whole space. And they saw Live Golf as one of the ways. It's not like they're going to just own one team in a league. They will own the whole thing and they will have control over it, and they will have the ability to make themselves seem like a responsible steward of something other than just oil. You know, I I have no idea whether in the case of golf, they're going to look like responsible stewards of this very old game, but it's a familiar move for them to try to, to move into a space, especially one that's in the kind of sports entertainment space, and try to Changed their reputation of being an intolerant, unpleasant, ancient, um, unchanging conservative place.
0: The top golfers in the Live Tour and PGA are now locked in a high stakes legal battle. In response to their rival, PGA Tour leaders banned the Live Tour golfers from playing in the rest of the 2022 season. Turns out the Live golfers still wanted to compete in PGA events. So they filed a lawsuit over it, accusing the PGA of running a monopoly.
3: The allegation that's being made is first that the PGA Tour has a monopoly uh, over some form of a golf market, a golf labor market. And second, by excluding those players uh, that were to compete in the LIV Tour, that PGA is engaging exclusionary conduct, which is meant to strengthen a monopoly or attempt to booster a monopoly.
0: Like any high stakes legal battle, it's going to take a long time to see who comes out on top.
3: This is one of these very rare cases in antitrust where law transects with politics, Uh, and it's not something that I've seen very much. I mean, if you ask me from a purely political level, to be really frank, I I have some concerns. I have concerns about the sortie government funding huge amounts of money into the United States. Uh, I have some concerns about the relationship with Donald Trump quite frankly, with all the ongoing investigations into the former president and not knowing the way that will play out. Uh, But if you leave aside political concern, and we look at this within the structure of just simply the behavior and an antitrust analysis, the Section 2 claim has very real weight behind it, presuming the players are able to show monopoly power. That will be their biggest challenge.
0: In the meantime, there's another battleground The system that ranks golfers internationally right now live golf events don't factor in what's called the official world golf ranking system. That's how most golfers get to play in the majors, the Masters, US Open, PGA Championship and the British Open.
1: The majors are all separate entities, so they're run by different organizations. The Masters is run and operated by Augusta National, the golf course. The PGA of America and the PGA Tour used to be the same thing, but then there was a split. So the PGA of America runs the PGA Championship, not the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour's landmark event is the Players' Championship. The USGA runs the U.S. Open, and then the Open Championship in the UK is run by the RNA. So these all these different entities, a lot of golf insiders call them the five families.
0: Even though the PGA has its own playoff system and a championship, golf superstars get measured by how many majors they've won. Past major winners can play in those events, including those on the live tour. There are other ways to get invited to the majors, but for most of the golfers on the live tour, they can't play in golf's most prestigious, most competitive events without those OWGR rankings.
1: These are the biggest events in golf, the pinnacle. And it's a really rare thing in any sport that the organization that runs week in, week out tournaments does not control any of the four biggest events in the sport
2: saudi arabia just a few years ago effectively had no entertainment which is almost impossible for americans to understand really what that means if you went out you went to these gender segregated restaurants you might hang out with your male friends and so people stayed in in their homes isolated and watched tv that was social life and it was unpleasant for saudis themselves family life was was rich but entertainment outside the home was was not. And so when you see the profusion of athletic facilities, gyms, movie theaters, what you're really seeing is a whole society that was hungry for entertainment, finally getting it, and suddenly they're getting it all at once. And golf is like that. I mean, it's a a spectacle.
0: Welcome to the future of golf!
1: The tour's best play is to lean into the competition, kind of provide Zag where the the Saudi Arabians are zigging. You know, you can't match the Saudi Arabia public investment funds money, but what you can do is you can provide a more competitive tour, which really matters when you look at, you know, major championships. And that's what players are remembered for. And that's what eventually gets the big sponsor deals. What gets the big paydays is winning major championships. Really what you have is two competing products. It's just like if you go for coffee and there's a Starbucks and a Dunkin Donuts across the street. You have two golf products and it's diluting the talent on each of the tours, right? There's not a tour that has all the best players anymore.
0: For now, professional golf remains in disarray. The Saudi-backed tour is picking up momentum and the PGA Tour is digging in for a long fight.